0: You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. I
1: felt that Skyman <laughs> Yeah, there you are, God. Whenever you're ready. Okay. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us.
0: Okay. I'm now recording. Oh, no. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have so many regrets. <laughs>
0: Uh, okay, I'm um, I'm Caleb. This is going to be released. Just so you know, also Marie, mm. as uh, both a Sacred Collective and Air of Grievances.
1: I was wondering what the difference was. There. Yeah,
0: so Air of Grievances is a podcast that I do by myself. That's pretty much just interview based. Okay. And then Sacred Collective is like a group uh, podcast that I that I do that Brian started. That he kind of brought me in on to produce and and do the uh you know the audio and and production stuff for um so are you is that cool with you i don't care okay <laughs> okay cool so i'm i'm Caleb i'm here with Marie Delafont
1: yes that's literally how you pronounce it <laughs> yep try to get as nasally as possible
0: yep de la font uh-huh. you can drop a few consonants at the end too probably. yeah just de yeah um, And you're with Everyone's Agnostic
1: Podcast. I am. I'm the co-host since November.
0: Okay, cool. So it's you and Cass, right? Yep. Okay. Yep.
1: The show's cool. been around five and a half years, almost six now. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And so he's not based here in Minnesota? Nope.
1: He's in Nashville. In Nashville. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we record remotely, obviously.
0: Uh-huh. So. That's near my stomping grounds. I was born and raised in Kentucky. Oh, really? In okay. the Bible Belt. Okay. Yep. How fun for you. Mm-hmm. How fun.
1: How
2: fun. Yeah.
0: Like... It would have been like a forty-five-minute drive to the uh, creationist museum, oh. which is all scientific. Don't worry.
1: No, I'm not worried. Yeah, at it's all very
0: yeah. factual, mm-hmm. you know, historical stuff. Mm-hmm. There are no bias at all there. So no, great. or yeah.
1: really scary people that are in no charge sc- of it. Yeah. yeah, his face is disturbing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So um, maybe you could we could just kind of ease in, and then I'd like to just kind of let conversations go where they go. I don't mm-hmm. have any questions or anything like that pre pre-written down or anything um maybe you just kind of tell our listeners about uh about everything's agnostic and everything, then we can just everything, everything, is agnostic.
1: everything. everything's agnostic everything's agnostic <laughs>
0: and so is everyone uh-huh. which is the name of your podcast
1: yeah well yeah well i didn't name it that uh-huh. so a lot of people like when i come on shows they're like can you explain that to me because it's mm-hmm. a very um very strong statement and i'm like you're right I didn't name it Mm -hmm. that. Do you think
0: it's really that strong of a statement?
1: Um, we do have a troll um on Twitter that constantly is like attacking us for saying the word agnostic and like lectures us about what it means. And I just muted him. (laughs)
0: Interesting. Okay. I don't care. (laughs) Why is that troll mad about it? Is it? Is it because?
1: (laughs) I don't. I don't. Is it?
0: Is it too? Does that? He says we're not
1: using it right. I see. Okay. It's not that he doesn't think that everyone's agnostic. It's just that he thinks that we're using it the wrong way. And then he, like, cites some philosopher who uses it. He's like, if you're using it in the way, then this is what that means. And how is that even possible? And I'm like, mute.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Because I just don't really care. Like, I don't really want to debate people. about. Mm -hmm. I really just don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so what's what's your all's main uh, main like subject matter? I guess what what's the focus of the
1: right? Focus? So basically, everyone's agnostic for the last five years has been um, a space for people to share their stories of deconversion, mm-hmm. and that's it's specifically meant to speak to speak with nobody, nobodies in quotation marks, mm-hmm. like people that you don't know. Talk about a topic that nobody wants to talk about, which is deconversion or deconstructing your faith, mm-hmm. yep. which, you know, we're in Minnesota. Nobody wants to talk about anything except for the weather and the traffic. <laughs> Very true. So Construction
0: so, sometimes, which is, sometimes, which is adjacent with, to traffic. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yes. And so it, we created it, Cass created it as a platform to share those stories and to be a place where people could go to feel a little less crazy mm. and less alone. Um, so, I kind of see it as <clears throat> three faceted in that in the interviews, we touch on people 's histories, where they 've come from, mm-hmm. what they 've gone through, their deconversion process um and the more and more of those I listen to, the more they uh sound the same, mm. which isn 't a problem, but all of our all of our stories are kind of relatively the same there 's maybe like couple different versions of how we deconvert or the shit that we went through. Mm. And then, so we talk about that, but then I think what I like focusing on the most and what I think people get the most out of is now what, like, Mm. how am I doing now? Like, how is this still affecting me? What am I still carrying on to? What am I struggling with? And then furthermore, what does the future look like? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be, processing trauma from from religion for the rest of my life or do i establish a new way of being like you have moved on to revolution church Mm -hmm. you found a new way to be human and to find purpose and to to engage with the world and so i think that's a step that some people have a hard time um moving into as they're processing their trauma it's hard to imagine what the world looks like Um, after they've gotten through that shit. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have this three pronged approach of talking about the past, what's happening now. And then how do we move forward? Um, so that's basically the show, just interviewing people, talking about lots of different stuff, Mm -hmm. but always related to, um, deconstructing faith. Okay. Yeah. What was
0: your process of deconstruction?
1: Oh, yeah, I know. It's a, I
0: know when I said it, I was like, that's a massive fucking question.
1: It's, I, can, I mean, I can do a 30-second version. I can do a five-minute version. I can do an hour version. I can do a five-day version. Uh-huh. There's a lot of versions. But um, essentially for me, I was born religious in a religious uh-huh. family, Christian. We were Lutheran. Okay. We went to North Heights. See, I can say these names because you'll know maybe where they are. Ish. North Heights is in Arden Hills, and then they had a sister church in Roseville. Okay, so they're like Lutheran-y okay. and like not super crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but then my friend across the street started. I'm just going to name these places. Go cause for. I don't it. give a fuck at this. Yeah, point. if you don't
0: care, then I don't care. Nah,
1: they. She went to Calvary. Um, mm-hmm. in also in Roseville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're called just Calvary now. Um. And that used to be General Baptist Conference, Oh wow! Well, yeah. which I think that doesn't exist anymore. It's become a new denomination. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they started a sister church in White Bear Lake. None of this matters to the listeners who are not in Minnesota, so I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm just so excited to be like, hate them! Yeah. <laughs> hate them, because they're just over there! Uh-huh. Um, so I went to those churches, and the Lutheran churches weren't so bad, but the general baptist conference was a lot more fundamentalist yeah. they weren't fire and brimstone but they were like if you're gay that's a sin mm-hmm. um and I, I i i was i was born in 82 mm-hmm. and so uh, like i'm in high school in the mid to late 90s where uh purity cor- culture was being pushed a lot oh yeah so I went through. Oh, I went through all that. I'm just very gesture-y. Yeah. <laughs> I went through all that shit. Um, I read "True Love Waits." Oh, um, yeah. I got in. Did it. you
0: ever peer during ring ever?
1: I couldn't afford one.
0: Okay, mm. <laughs> but you wanted one. There's
1: something ironic about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I did want one. Um, I did sign the "True Love Waits" pledge twice, twice and failed. But that's further along in the story, mm-hmm. and. You know, um, when you get
0: born again, again, you, you can renew your virginity card. I know. I, yeah. I have a friend
1: who's a born-again virgin.
0: Yeah. I wish I didn't know that term, but I'm very well acquainted with it. And
1: let's just talk about hymens for a second here. So <laughs> irrelevant to virginity. Anyway, uh-huh. also, men. Oh, God. Okay. I can't we're, even go We're there. getting
0: in over our heads right now. <sighs> so we'll many, get there. So many let's feelings. just take one at a time. So many
1: feelings. Okay. So... Purity culture, fucked up. Um, I started doubting when I was 13, oh, wow. when I was just entering my freshman year in okay. high school. Mm-hmm. And I mostly went to religious schools. And so mm. I was in a bubble. I was going to church all the time. I was going to my religious churches all mm-hmm. the time. My family was religious. My Everything was Christian. And uh, so when I was 13 and starting to doubt, I didn't really have a lot of examples Um Around me, of <laughs> what it could, what what would it be like if I if I didn't believe? What other options are there? And so I, I wanted to go that way, but at the same time, I had been fed a couple of things, such that like uh, one, you're a piece of shit,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you can't think for yourself. Anything that you think of is shit, especially anything that's against God or against the Bible. That's all shit mm-hmm. because. You know the devil is messing with you and trying to tempt you, and also you're a piece of shit and a sinner, and your heart is deceitful, and you—it's a wicked thing, and you can't mm-hmm. trust it.
0: Like original sin type stuff. Yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah. You, you need a savior,
1: right? And so they set you up for that to be dependent upon the religion because you—they set you up to not believe in yourself, mm-hmm. and especially as a woman in the faith, it's especially compounded on on us. And so I um had a really hard time leaning into that. Yeah. And like following that wherever that went. Mm-hmm. Um Wait, can I ask
0: were you fully buying into that up until the point that you were thirteen? Was that just like did you just
2: go have a little bit of a little
1: bit of a little bit of a of it. Yeah. You know, of really only started of it, around that age.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, but I And little I I didn't want to leave, but I was scared to leave, mm-hmm. and so like those four years in high school was just kind of like up and down, up and down because it was very emotional for me. And Mm. uh, compounding factors, I have an anxiety and panic disorder. Mm -hmm. And so not only am I considering if God is not real, I'm also considering, am I going to hell? Yeah, That does not play well with anxiety. Yeah, of
2: course. (laughs) So like it Mm -hmm. was
1: really traumatic to be considering these choices and considering these options and not trusting myself and then, And then kind of feeling like I had to double down. Mm -hmm. So a lot of high school was just like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm an atheist. Ah!" And then everyone wants to debate me. Cause I'm in a Christian bubble. right? Yeah. So I'm just getting emails all day long. Mm. Everyone's just like, Hey, what mm. questions do you have about the Bible? Right. Let's rip it out. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it right it's here, a, right it's now.
0: Apologetics, which is like a whole culture really like, Oh, we have an answer to any question oh, yeah. you could have. Yeah. You it's just let tap. me know. Let us know. I've
1: got it all yeah. figured out. Don't mm-hmm. you worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Fuck it, mm-hmm. Fuckity fuck. But yeah, so people wanted to debate me and I was like, First, you have to prove that there's a God, and then you have a whole lot of work after that to mm-hmm. and prove that, that God is, is
0: this character that's presented to you in these scriptures. There's a,
1: there's a lot of burden yeah. on them to do that, and so I just kept on getting frustrated and hitting my head against the wall. Yet at the same time, feeling still pulled towards the religion because of my dependency on it. Um, so, so I internalized all that. I internalized the shame of mm-hmm. not, for of it not making sense to me. And as I said, I kept doubling down. So, like, in my junior year, I did a missions trip in the summer. I, I moved up to Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, which is by, like, Fergus Falls. Okay. Nobody cares. Um, <laughs> it's, like, three hours away from here. Okay. And so I lived there for the summer and, like, helped at a church and shit. Like, okay. all on my own. It was my idea because mm. doubling down, like, really, I I felt like I had to make an effort to God. Like, I had to prove to him that I was super serial about, <laughs> like, that I, I really, really am trying, God. Like I'm right. really trying, and yeah. that's like the mm-hmm. that was like the motto of those years. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm super serial, God. Yeah. Like I'm really, really trying. Like, yeah. what if I do this? If uh-huh. I do this, will you help like me? Like a work keep based my faith? kind of th-
0: like, like how do I, how do I? Er- it's er- er- not earning so much the
1: love? acts. It's not axe based, but uh-huh. it's like, ugh, like I felt like my failure to believe in him was because he was testing me mm-hmm. or something, and then I was just yeah. like, I had to prove that I was. I don't know, worthy. I don't know if it was worthy or what, but
0: um... I have a friend who went through um, gay conversion therapy. Oh
2: god, who,
0: who checked himself into it?
2: Yeah,
0: and actually, it's when this episode releases, it will it will actually be the episode right before it. Yeah, so it kind of ties in a little a little bit. But for him, it was like, I want to be loved by God, but I'm flawed. I am broken and so how do i fix that and so he he took the prescriptions you know he took the the remedies that were prescribed to him yeah as as of like i have to check myself into conversion therapy i have to pray i have to follow these workbooks i have to read all this literature and like obviously it didn't work yeah Ob- i mean that goes he's without gay. saying he's a gay man the end yeah the end yeah. and and then you know he so then he's faced with with all this guilt like and and like you said shame and things like that and that doesn't obviously just apply to people in in that you know in that spectrum or 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 who are dealing with that specifically but just this idea that you are broken and so this is the the fix for it yeah Yeah, and and you have to live in in shame. And honestly, it's not even a a full fix because you have to keep going back to it again and again.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the essential issue that I have with their views on sex because they're telling you not to do this thing that you're absolutely going to do. Right. They take this one thing about humanity that is guaranteed, and they say, you can't do that. Mm Mm-hmm what do you think is going to happen? Right. Like if you get them invested in your belief system, they're going to be dependent upon you. They're mm-hmm. going to be shamed. They're going to come to you all the time. So like, that's how they get you. Um, but yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's why I kind of kept coming back. Cause I, I felt like I had to prove something that I had to prove myself to God, that mm-hmm. there was something that I had to achieve in order to, to make the faith sink in. Yeah. So when I graduated from high school in 2000, um, I had very poor self-esteem and and boys were terrifying just horrible horrible but I liked all of them and 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 then then I thought I was, like, really dumb, and so I was like, there's no way that I can go to college. Also, I still don't really know if God exists or not, and I should probably, like, address that. Mm. And also, if God exists, he's definitely coming back to the earth in my lifetime. <laughs> so, like, if that's true, then I definitely feel like the best thing to do right now would be go to missionary school.
2: Mm. Like, wow, okay.
1: Yeah, to, to just really just douse myself in religion and just say like I'm giving my entire life to God like Mm -hmm. I I will do this for the rest of my life I will go to this discipleship training school Mm -hmm. and I will I will try to just absorb all of it and and see if it will finally start making sense because I felt like there's no way that God could look at me and say well that's not enough Mm -hmm. like I gave up my life I gave up life in the US I gave up uh, college and i just moved to mexico where i didn't know anyone in order to be <laughs> indoctrinated really mm-hmm. but um
2: yeah
1: and to put myself out there and like talk to strangers and stuff mm-hmm. about god um so that's what i ended up doing i moved to mexico i did discipleship training school Oof. with ywam which is Youth with a Mission. Oh, yeah, okay. They are all across the world. They're non-denominational, but my version of it was very charismatic, very assembly Mm -hmm. of God, which was above and beyond anything I'd experienced.
0: Non-denominational, a lot of times, I feel like it's just another word catch for Pentecostal all. sometimes yeah. sometimes it's just a that's catch that's my experience all. with it anyways that's fair yeah.
1: that, I mean that could be I don't know anymore I don't, I'm don't. i not privy to the sure, sure, sure. they don't tell me things anymore because mm-hmm. I'm atheist <laughs> no, they so. don't tell you things they you, don't, don't, get the, you don't, get don't get the newsletter anymore I don't get the newsletter anymore it's because I unsubscribed right spam
2: <laughs>
1: yeah so that's what I did for two years uh-huh. I was down there And um, did the discipleship training school thing and really got galvanized because, like, Mm. you're out in the streets and you're, like, Mm -hmm. praying over people, putting uh, hands on people, like, telling your testimony and, like, very sensational things. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is while you were doubting? You were, you were ah, so still... at
1: this particular at those six months. Uh-huh. Those six months, yeah. I was not doubting. Okay, I was super psyched mm-hmm. by this mystical version, this okay. magical, miraculous yeah. version of Christianity mm-hmm. that I hadn't really known in
2: mm-hmm.
1: white Midwest uh, boring casserole basement Lutheran thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, "This is great. My my family's shit. Mm-hmm. This is the problem that my family is lukewarm, and God has spit them." Out of his mouth, and uh-huh. this is this is the problem.
0: Uh-huh. Do you mean casserole or hot dish? We have to clarify that.
1: I don't know mm. both of them. I, I use them interchangeably. <laughs> yeah. Like I just, I don't know. I'm sorry to interrupt, please. That's it a okay. Stupid that was there <laughs> was a very important Distinc- clarification, yeah. uh-huh. and I honor that. Thank you. Yes, and um, yeah. So after that, I came back home, and this would have been spring of two thousand and one, mm. and I was like, legit going back gonna gonna work there gonna mm. be missionary gonna marry Mexicans stay forever okay. the end
2: okay.
1: convert all the Mexicans okay so this is the plan so <laughs> I worked at Starbucks over the summer made the money and then <laughs> oh and then in August of 2001 I uh-huh. flew to India because my older sister was getting married
2: okay
1: um, into an Indian uh-huh. and while I was there <laughs> I had another faith crisis. Just randomly, mm. which now I realize is actually an anxiety episode, oh. but let's just not pay attention to that. Let's mm-hmm. just say it's God and devils and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, At that point, that's I, I, what you assumed it sounds like. Right. That it was, yeah.
1: Right. And I was just so frustrated because the plan was fly back home. I have a ticket to Mexico, go back to Mexico, happy forever. And I thought I had nailed it down. I thought that I had figured it out by being part of this charismatic version of Christianity. Mm. It would finally sink in. Like, it would finally stick. And so when I was doubting in India, it was just hard. And then the World Trade Center towers got hit mm-hmm. while I was in India. And so it just kind of felt like the world was just falling apart. It felt very apocalyptic. And um, came home. Decided to go anyway. I was like, well, if there's any hope of saving me now, it's going to be down there. Yeah. So I forced myself to go to Mexico, basically as an atheist, mm. to work at a missionary school as staff. <laughs> wow. I've done some very abusive things to myself, mm. and that was one of them. And um, so, yeah, I bathed. Basically was an atheist for five of those six months and it was the most traumatic time I can recall in mm. my life because it was just really fucked up. Like yeah. the shit that they would, it was just so much gaslighting mm. and I was trying to make it make sense and it was just, yeah. uh, it's hard to get into. Yeah, There's sure. just a lot of very spiritual abusive things, yeah. um, that they did and that I let them do.
2: Okay.
1: Um, cause I felt like I had to in mm-hmm. order to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up reconverting back to Christianity during a very sensationalist moment that I was like having a panic attack that felt like God.
0: Okay. So in that moment, it was real to you that it was, it was God and you're like, okay, I'm convicted again and now I need to,
1: I guess. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. But, uh, looking looking back, back, I'm like, I was having a panic attack because I felt trapped Mm -hmm. and I felt so much pressure to conform. Yeah. So maybe I should have been on Wellbutrin instead of <laughs> converting but Yeah. So um yeah I reconverted again and then mm-hmm. came back again for another semester mm. and then uh worked at a summer DTS thing in Mexicali and um another semester so it's you know overall it's you know two years down there um of ups and downs even there too um but ultimately i ended up leaving because the boy that i had a crush on started dating someone and so then that's when i realized that god didn't really actually want me there Mm. coincidental um (laughs) so i took a greyhound home and gave me a lot of time to think and um and then that kind of starts a new phase of things. But mm-hmm. it was from there that I kind of started gradually, fully deconverting mm-hmm. um, and became an atheist probably within five years, mm-hmm. four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Like I got married. I had premarital sex. I did all <laughs> the <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. I God mean, doesn't it wasn't listen to this good. podcast, so
0: don't worry. He won't be mad. Oh, thank
1: God. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, that was the that was probably the ten minute version. Okay. I think that was what that was. Oh, there. Of um of uh my path and how I deconverted and that leads me to like two thousand three or so. Okay. And then there's there was a marriage that was very distracting okay. and so didn't really work too much on that stuff at that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: When you talk about that that process of deconversion, was it just you realizing like none of this has made sense and so i'm going to to trust my instincts and stuff or was it or or was it like actual like like oh in that in i guess what i'm trying to articulate is is, was it you being like oh this is all added up the whole time or or not added up you know the, the the facts or lack thereof have always been there and i'm going to acknowledge that or was it just like a oh wait in this process w- within this time span it was like this doesn't make sense and then we I, I get this piece of the puzzle also and that doesn't make sense
1: nah it was as emotional as my journey was the deconversion was also just as em- emotional okay. in, uh-huh. the, in that. So it's a
0: process. I right. Okay. Like, okay. I think what
1: you're trying to get at is like a lot of people's stories um, of deconversion or deconstruction are um, led by dogma that they're uncomfortable yeah. with that they they find themselves being like this can't be true and then everything topples over after right. that. It's a very rational mm-hmm. deconversion. Mm-hmm. Mine as you can tell as you look at my story is very emotional mm-hmm. and it uh, which has a lot to do with just like the self uh esteem stuff Mm -hmm. um just not feeling like i was uh, freed to think logically that i had to conform to the Mm -hmm. the dogma Mm -hmm. and that there was really no other choice Mm -hmm. but yeah so it was just this kind of gradual process of like yeah i don't think that this is true okay so it's more of a gradual process Yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah
0: yeah did did it take a lot was it like also equally traumatic to separate yourself from like the, the social infrastructure of Christianity and stuff like being incubated by people who are reinforcing Christianity and, and the idea of the existence of a God and stuff like that. Or or was it easy to to step away and find a new community for you?
1: Um, it's an interesting question because I know a lot of, um, ex Christians who really mourn that, who really grieve the loss of that community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I'll admit that it was nice to have a community, and at the same time, when I look back, it felt very conditional. Mm -hmm. It felt um, very performative and Mm -hmm. unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and the structure of it all together felt very forced. Um, So I don't think I ever was really super bought into. Mm-hmm. That that structure of community, that particular structure of community. Mm-hmm. Um, so to lose, and I mean, I really didn't lose any community because by that point I wasn't in high school anymore. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to a church anymore. So I didn't have, everyone I knew was in Mexico. I lost everyone. Oh, okay. You know, so they were there. That's an
0: interesting circumstance. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then they all just kind of snuffed me out when I was just like, yeah. having any kind of doubts. Then it's just everyone just kind of ignored me Mm -hmm. or you know they would ask me for money for their missions like now that I was back in the U.S. and making U.S. money Mm -hmm. they wanted my money so that felt great Mm -hmm. um yeah I I lost my train of thought but um yeah I I didn't feel that 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 sense of a a loss of community uh and I think Probably I was very lonely, which is probably why I struck up with my ex-husband at the time when I met him in 2003. And was just like, that was the point. That was the same point when I realized, when I figured out that my parents had had premarital sex, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. never told us. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of like, and I was like, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Because they're fucking lying about shit and telling me to be pure when if that was really true Mm -hmm. and you're a parent who has done that Mm -hmm. you'd say here's what i did yeah that's a good point yeah here's how i felt about it Mm -hmm. here were the consequences of it just be honest about it instead of pretending like that's not something you did because no Mm -hmm. they did not suffer from it they Mm -hmm. did not yeah so they had nothing to say right Right. But that's mm-hmm. one of many complaints I have about mm-hmm. my parents and talking about sexuality. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Can I ask, you, are your parents still around? Yes. Okay. Yep,
1: they live in Shoreview. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still married and, um, yeah, they're still going on. Okay. Yeah. Do you have
0: decent communication? If, if this is uncomfortable no, at all, then.
1: I, I'm an open book. Okay, great. Okay. You're going to figure yeah. that out pretty quickly. Okay. But I'm an open book. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we still talk. Okay. Um, we did have a pretty tense year or so. About nine months ago is when it stopped because I don't know how much you know about me, but I'm polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And so I came out to them as polyamorous, um, like one November, what would that have been? 2017. Okay. And then they reacted poorly. Sure. And that was the point where I decided I don't need my family. Mm Mm-hmm like I want to them mm-hmm. in my life but if mm-hmm. they refuse to see my identity mm-hmm. and refuse to acknowledge that I'm an adult and that the choices that I make are ethical mm-hmm. and well thought out and mm-hmm. well researched then they can fuck off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that sure. was that was a good that was a good period for me and I stopped talking to them for about a year and then we finally reconciled a little while ago and That's they've nice. met my boyfriends and they've they've definitely come around and been much better. But yes, we are still talking. Okay. It hasn't been easy.
0: Yeah, sure, sure. So, are they? They're still. Are they still where they were at spiritually when you were when they were raising you? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't. I didn't. I don't ask them. Yeah, sure. Um, we've had. I would love to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to my mom about it sometimes, and mm-hmm. I think she's. She, I don't know. I don't really know what she.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that because we have them on the line no, right now. Oh
1: my god. That would be so funny. Wouldn't that be good? Oh my god. No. That'd be, that'd be so that would be so weird. They're in the back room. Come on out. I, would, I mean that would be that would mean that they were willing to have a discussion about <laughs> yeah. it. I would be psyched because uh-huh. I, I love talking about any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But um they're very Midwestern, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't they don't talk about sex or death or any of the favorite things that I like to talk about. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. so it's disappointing because you can't choose your parents. And yeah. these they didn't raise me how I would have wanted to be raised. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. And now it's up to me mm-hmm. what I want to do. And so I'm doing it. Cool. Yeah.
0: Are sex and death your two top uh, favorite topics? Yes. Okay. Yep. Because cool. no talk one about wants now? to talk about them. Let's talk about one of them. Which, All one, right. which one should we talk about?
1: Let's see. Uh, death, my friend is dying.
2: Okay.
1: His name is Dave Warnock. And he was diagnosed with ALS in March. Mm. And he's dying. He's going to die in maybe a few years. Okay. And for me, death, was, death and sex are one of the really strong holdovers from religion. Because up until my mid 20s, death didn't matter. Right, like, because we're going to heaven, none of this matters. Right. Right, right, right. Right. So, are you familiar
0: with the acronym uh, for for the Bible Basic Instruction Book? Basic instructions
1: burlap before cashmere. Burlap Burlap to cashmere. It's a song they sang that. Oh, really? Yeah, look it up. Basic instructions before leaving, Leaving and then just Uh mad guitar stuff. Okay, I have to listen to that one. Mm -hmm.
0: Maybe we can even drop that in at the end of the episode
1: yeah. Copyright the (laughs) shit out of that. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah 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 yeah. basic instructions before, before leaving, leaving earth, earth. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because so, there's yeah. no death
0: right because this is a precursor like this is almost it's like the, the, test. Test. the test it's the test the test. yep jinx you coke. me coke um, this is
1: not going to be a very interesting podcast if I can't talk anymore
0: <laughs> okay uh, I unjinx you how do Wait, I unjinx you? is that
1: the coke oh it's just the coke jinx
0: P- uh, pinch poke you owe me a coke yeah oh okay it's that that a one? different ju- jinx than I okay. Know. okay okay
1: now you can't talk till somebody says your name that's the one I know okay
0: Marie now you can talk again
1: <clears throat> yes Okay, uh, so yeah, life doesn't matter yeah.
0: because there's an afterlife, which is perfect, and this is just a, a, a testing ground. It's like a simulation, essentially. Yeah, like God's going to put you through all these different scenarios, and depending on how you react to them, you're going to wind up eternally happy or eternally tortured.
1: Basically, yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and so therefore, you don't. Death isn't really a problem, and that's why I was for a while. I, I fantasized martyrdom. Like I wasn't yeah. gonna go and kill anyone, like mm-hmm. that—not kind of that kind of thing, but kind of fantasized,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know, Columbine kids, you know, coming into my school and right. saying, "Like, do you believe in Jesus?" And I oh, would say, "Yes." Wow, I haven't
0: thought about that scenario. Bring you back, time. yeah. If someone put a gun to your head and said, "Would you deny
1: if, your God?" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I would.
0: I was asked that in in youth group. Yeah, you know? like that's tra- that tr- is traumatic. That is an exercise in trauma. Uh huh. Honestly, yeah. uh huh. Uh-huh. They're
1: asking you to consider someone, like killing you Mm -hmm.
0: it's fetishizing martyrdom it is yeah
1: yes it is Mm -hmm. and so that's why like i mean that's all part of this thing of not having to contend with the reality of death
2: Mm -hmm. and it
1: the finality of it Mm. and and then everything that that means for you like Mm. like now that for me death is the end Mm -hmm. this life is so short Yep. And it is, it is so important to be present mm. and to be intentional mm. and mm-hmm. to honor the other lives that are here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, whether they're human or they're other you know animals just the fact that nature brought us here and then and then i get into this big thing about evolution and how beautiful it is and the yeah. fact that we got here at all and the fact that like we've got all this stuff that does things and like our mm-hmm. thumbs are pretty cool <laughs> and like just just the awe to to have of our own species mm-hmm. like psyches me out like it's so cool yeah. but the but that's the that's the positive side mm-hmm. of losing eternity and of losing um immortality yeah. that's yeah. that's uh, um, s- just oh, when I'm high it, like yeah. I can really just feel it a lot better and it's a little less scary but it's also scary but the downside then is you're going to die right and i'm 37 now mm-hmm. and like so it's hard to get comfortable with that new reality. Yeah, for like, sure. If you didn't have to to contend with that until your fucking mid twenties, mm-hmm. like I feel like yeah. if you should told a young child yeah. child appropriate death stories mm-hmm. as they grew up. That maybe they would be adjusted to the idea of death. Yeah, like a little bit more than I am. Mm-hmm. And so I like to talk about death because for some of us who have deconverted deconstructed, that's a very difficult thing that still carries over that Mm. we're having a hard time adapting to. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people do it better than others. For me, it's really rough. It's really, really rough Mm -hmm. to adapt to. And so my friend Dave is dying. Mm. He, um, I I ended up offering to be his assistant because it's what I do for a living. I'm an executive assistant. And, um, and I was like, so you're going to be traveling a lot. Mm. He's speaking on a lot of podcasts about dying out loud um, he's going to be here in, uh, mid July and he's going to talk at the, Unit unit first Unitarian society of Minneapolis by the Guthrie. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Not the Guthrie, the Walker. Okay. These are things nobody cares about, but Dave will be here and he's talking about dying out loud. We have Minneapolis
0: and, listeners if you know. They oh, okay. Well, yeah.
1: July th- 13th, 14th, the Sunday, mm-hmm. 1030, um, the, the place by the walker just go to the walker and then say there's a dying guy near here <laughs> yeah could you point me towards i think him? there's
0: actually an app for that like you have to enable the, guy? enable the location services and then you can find like the dying closest people. Dying guy and
1: then they'll just have arrows in all directions in all directions yeah, yeah just mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> death is
0: all around <laughs> yeah. us
1: uh-huh. yeah so like i'm helping him and it's um it's been really triggering like sure to get that intimate with death, and to hear him talk about it, and to hear him talking talk about dying with dignity,
2: mm-hmm. to
1: like he's making plans for how he's going to end his life because he's not going to let ALS do it for him. Wow! So there's, um, it's it's very inspiring That's to hear him talk. Yeah. Wow. It's he's been on a lot of shows. He's been he's been on Dogma Debate with David Smalley. He's been on Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. been on Life After God with Ryan Bell. Um, he's been on Your Atheist Pastor with Luke King. He's been on. These are all great
0: podcasts. Yeah, these wow. are all cool. the best
1: ones. And uh, I so I'm his assistant. I get him booked on these shows and stuff. Um, cool. Yeah, he's really passionate about talking about his death mm-hmm. and and how he's living his life really intentionally right now. Um, and and he talks a lot about the differences between how his humanist uh, atheist community is dealing with his death. Mm. Versus those who are still Christian in mm. his life and how they're dealing with his yeah. death. The Christians don't know what to do with him, and they're they're very hands off. They don't really check in with him very much because they're uncomfortable. Yeah. A, because he's going to hell. Mm. B, they don't know what to say because they can't pray for him. Like he's not going to convert. Yeah. He's not. He knows what he believes. Right. He did the work. Of he. Um, so they are all just kind of abandoning him mm. more or less. Yeah and whereas his atheist friends are like they know like he is dying right he's wow, here that's, now it's heavy yeah. yeah and he's but he's here now and mm-hmm. so nobody's trying to make up stories for him about how like there's a purpose to this or that that at least he'll go to heaven or that god loves him mm. or whatever it's just truly tragic mm-hmm. Is truly tragic because he only just deconverted like eight years ago, Mm. and he divorced two years ago from his Christian wife, and so he's really only been living his life two years. Wow, yeah. And now he's got ALS, and so it's truly a tragic story, and it just sucks. Mm -hmm. And the atheists in his life have just been able to embrace that and just be like, "This fucking sucks. Right? Let's go get a drink."
2: Mm -hmm.
0: When you talk about he's only been living for two years, that that kind of. In my mind, makes me it, it makes me think back to you talking about um, realizing your mortality at the age of twenty five. Mm-hmm. Did did you feel at that point that you had lost twenty five years that you had assumed were part of an eternal existence, and then now it's it turns out everything is material? Did you did you mourn those twenty five years and not not no
1: not really? Um, at that point, I don't think I had the emotional. And mental capacity yeah. to go there, because mm-hmm. um, I was really busy and distracting myself with a really unhealthy marriage, and so that a lot of the processing didn't really happen until later and recently. Mm-hmm. Like it's been happening over the last twelve years, and yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about. Like on our show, like I'm, I don't. Yes, we have our deconversion stories, also how are we processing? Like we've got this, a lot of this trauma. Mm -hmm. Some of us will call it trauma. I call it trauma, Mm -hmm. um, that we are managing. Um, and how, how do we do that? And so it didn't come all at once. Mm -hmm. Like it hasn't come all at once. It comes over periods of time and sometimes it's cyclical. Yeah. So you deal with the same thing again and again, but in a more profound way. Yeah. And so sometimes I only get angrier Instead of getting, like, more and more peaceful about, yeah. like, what I went through, you would think maybe, like, at some point I'd be like, oh, well, I love them and it's fine and whatever. You yeah. can, like, let it go and release them and be gentle to them. But I just get angrier. Yeah. And so I have to hit things a lot. Um, and that's just my truth. And that's just how that's all playing out sure. for me. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, just point being just, like, it's it's it happens over time for mm-hmm. me. And it didn't just happen in one moment. So Yeah. Yeah. Do
0: you feel angry at um, religion in the abstract, or at the people that were teaching you these things? Yes. Both. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you? See, yeah. <laughs> do you see any? I this this kind of almost sounds like a weighted question, but I swear to God, it's not. Hmm. Do you see any um any value maybe for others? Yeah. In religion for others. Okay.
1: For others, okay. like whatever works for you, just leave me right alone yeah and don't i like that don't legislate my country mm, according yeah. to your religion right which is impossible for Christians to do mm-hmm. on the whole, because mm-hmm. they really think that they're really, really, really right. Yeah. And so they can't compromise on that and mm-hmm. say, okay, fine, then you can have an abortion, because mm-hmm. that's being complicit
0: right. in it. Yeah.
1: So I don't think that they mm-hmm. can. But
0: And they probably, honestly, it seems to me like they, they think God's taking notes on them, being like, oh, they they confronted that person like they were supposed to, or like, oh, they stood up for, for these values like I wanted them to. But yeah. like they think they're constantly you know being like, evaluated by a, a sky man. You know,
1: and that, and then that, and that mentality is very difficult to get rid of too. Mm-hmm. The 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 thought that you're always being evaluated, plus again, compound that for me on top of being a woman in this mm. misogynist culture yeah. and constantly being um, mentally critiqued yeah. for mm. for who you are, how you present yourself, how you speak. That you, are you woman enough? Are you sexy enough? Are you whatever enough? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it definitely compounds. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah,
2: mm-hmm. That's
1: yeah, good shit. Yeah, so that's death. So that's and death. then there's sex. And then there's sex. So sex, purity culture, right? So that was fed to me. And I almost liked it because I was, like I said, I was ter- I'm was i mostly straight. And I was terrified of boys.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I really liked boys. I definitely had like a libido. And I was interested in people. I, I'm not asexual. Mm-hmm. But it was a relief to have Purity culture because there was a lot of discussion around, like, courting Mm -hmm. and, like like just more formal things and more like waiting for God to kind of like make it happen for mm-hmm. you. And so it took the burden off yeah, of it take, me. It removes the
0: responsibility and yeah. the stressor almost.
1: Right. Yeah. And like, I even like had a drawing on my wall that was like, Jesus is my boyfriend.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Which
1: now like, that sounds really creepy. That's
0: cringy. But I know
1: what I meant. Like I knew what I meant that right. like, that the the message was you, you know, you get into this relationship that is your, soulmate kind of thing where you feel loved and whatever. That wording is just so creepy. I know. I don't believe in soulmates anymore. No, 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 no. It's okay. But, um, um, yeah. And I think for me, God was that, that, that epitome Mm. of unconditional love, Mm. um, that I did not want for some man Mm -hmm. to approve of me because I had God to proof of me. Mm-hmm, so I almost mm-hmm. liked purity culture in that way. However, when, <laughs> however,
2: mm-hmm.
1: once I started deconverting and kind of releasing all of the dogma from religion, like I got into this relationship with my ex-husband and we had sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still Christian at the time. I was just like, I just don't fucking care. I just kind of stopped thinking. I was just like, I just don't care. Yep. And it was horrible, like horrible sex. Like we didn't talk about it. Mm. We you just do it. Wasn't it wasn't
0: sexy taboo. It was just it was like shameful taboo.
1: I don't know if it was shameful. It's just bad sex. <laughs> sex. It's just bad. Like we didn't talk about anything. And moreover. So that's oh. <laughs> so part of the problem <laughs> is that culture doesn't teach about sex. Mm. So it's a cultural issue and it's also a religious issue. And those are also intertwined as well.
0: Yeah, sure. Of course. So,
1: yeah. at least in my experience, no one was talking about actual sex. No one was talking about the communication within sex, and then media always presents it like, like he's horny and she's horny, and so whoosh, and they smash, and then everything's happy and everyone's fine and everyone's satisfied and he gets off and he's just like, so did did that feel good? And she's like, Oh yeah. And you know, it didn't feel good. You have to
0: ask, did you come? It
1: did not. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It did not feel good. Mm -hmm. And so there's no representation in media, at least that I see Mm -hmm. of people communicating, um, like about negotiating about their sexuality before an encounter during an encounter Mm -hmm. after after an encounter there's no education about how our bodies work there's like there's your dick don't get an sti
2: Mm.
1: put a condom on it and then like that that's as much as they tell you Mm. in high school um and then you're off like oh and also masturbation's bad yeah don't do that don't do that and so, or say
0: some hail marys after, if you do.
1: Oh yeah, I was not Catholic. I just <laughs> yeah. had to feel. Really, I wasn't either. I just. I just had to feel really bad, yeah. but um, didn't even
0: have the, uh, didn't even have the remedy of hail Marys. There was no remedy. Yeah, right. I can see
1: why they like it because they feel like right. I did this thing <laughs> and absolved. now I feel better. Yeah, it's like very formulaic, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's I like formulas. Yeah. Formulas are good. Mm-hmm. Type A, um, but um. So just really bad sex. You feel
0: you feel shitty, and then there's no masturbation. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and it's fine. Like once I deconverted and I let that go, it didn't help anything because then you're still uninformed about sexuality. All you have is, um, what media's taught you, especially like as a woman. And I, this is stuff I'm only realizing just now, shamefully, not shamefully, unfortunately. Um, that everything that we're taught about sex, as far as uh, a woman, and I'm I'm speaking in very cis terms right now, but like as a woman, we're very, we're supposed to be very performative. Mm. Like we're supposed to, uh, we're just like a receptacle Mm
2: -hmm. and we're just
1: supposed to look sexy Mm -hmm. and just to receive it. And so that's like a lot of what the sex was. For me, it was just like, oh, he's he wants to have sex, so I guess I I need to perform sex for him even though it was nothing that he did, it was never like him saying you need to have sex at me. And I was like, well, I guess I have to do that since mm-hmm. you're the man. Yeah. It wasn't like explicit like that. Yeah. But anyway, I divorced him and that's great. Um, and then I, I got married again. Um, and that was fun. Cause like new relationship energy, that's great. That's mm-hmm. a really great thing. And then once that, you know, dies down and I feel like safe and secure in a relationship, shit starts popping up. Yeah like oh guess what I have some sexual repression issues that are showing up now that I'm not as excited about this relationship anymore and I feel super safe Mm -hmm. so that popped up like a couple years into our relationship and like such that like if he'd approach me like I would shut down like fetal position Mm. like just and I'd have to like leave the room go to the kitchen I would start sobbing Mm. just like clinging to the counter just like heaving mm. and this would happen a lot wow. and i was like okay this is fucked up
2: mm-hmm.
1: so already you're seeing probably why i like to talk about sexuality because mm-hmm. it it it's very important um and it can fuck with someone
2: yeah and
1: totally. um yeah. so like that kind of began a time of me trying to figure out what the fuck was going on yeah. with me like i saw like Uh, like sexual health doctors and like a sexual therapist and like nothing really helped. And I think that's because no one considered how religion played into like the sex, sexual trauma Mm. of like informing how one views sex. Moreover, no one really approached the topic of like the misogyny part of it, of, um, of, of a woman having to be performative. Yeah. And there was no education around communication
2: mm.
1: about sex yeah. at all. And I think another issue I have with sex in our culture is that um, women are—we, in many ways, are, are um, expected to tend to the feelings of men to protect yeah. the feelings of men. Mm-hmm. Um, we are raised in a way on average that makes us the results in us being more emotionally like we manage our emotions better because it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're it's expected that girls, girls are going to be emotional at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's like, mm-hmm. it's expected on average. It's expected. It's normal. Girls cry,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, boys don't cry. Yeah. No you know boys don't talk about their feelings Mm -hmm. um so so we have better odds of developing into someone who can manage our emotions where and then but but then (laughs) in the misogynist culture we're supposed to be these peacekeepers within the household and we're supposed to like uh, i don't know help the man and his feelings or some shit like that Mm. Um, So it makes it into this uh, not a great scenario for communication within sexual relationships. Um, And so that was a huge problem that I was hitting. Like, I want to talk about this, but I don't want to hurt his feelings. It just got really complicated. Um, And there just had been too much time of me just, like, performing sex for him. And so eventually we just stopped having sex. Yeah. Despite the fact that, like... He's an amazing man, and I love him so much. Like, this was just an issue. Yeah. And um, this is a very long story, but I don't care. It's a really good story. No, it's good, yeah. Yeah. And so, ultimately, in, like, 2016, we started talking about non-monogamy. Okay. Um, Because I met this dude. (laughs) He was, like, hot, and I loved talking to him. And I was like, it would be pretty great to, like, just, like, have sex with him. And I told my husband and he's like, so just like last week you were crying in the kitchen Mm -hmm. when I wanted to have sex with you. And now you want to have sex with this guy. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's Mm -hmm. happening. I don't know why it's happening. And so that conversation kind of evolved into like. This, this larger conversation that we're having about how I was raised in the purity culture stuff and like the fear of, of those that I was interested in um, of not pursuing that of having low self-esteem um, and kind of getting to the point where I was like I don't see any reason against it like even atheists are on average against polyamory sure Like, I have not run into a lot of people who don't judge me, at least initially, or assume certain things, at least along the way, about who I am and how I identify and how I live my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So even in atheism, there's a monogamous-centric way of viewing things, Mm -hmm. which I guess makes sense, um, unfortunately. but um, So we read books, like... I like to research stuff beforehand Mm -hmm. and like know what I'm getting into. And I was like, yeah, I don't see any point in not doing this. And I feel like I'm well read now. And I think I could gain to learn a lot
2: Mm -hmm.
1: by being able to date some people and to understand my sexuality better Mm -hmm. um, outside of the confines of this marriage. So we opened up our relationship two and a half years ago now Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and Ended up calling ourselves polyamorous, mm-hmm. and I have learned so much from doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been so helpful, and there's, like, no way I could go back now.
0: What's the distinction between uh, an open relationship and a polyamorous relationship?
1: Um, so what it we like have... Is a love
0: versus sex thing, or...? Well,
1: what, so it's more like a square rectangle kind of thing. Okay. Like, an open relationship is what we're doing, mm-hmm but it's also defined as polyamorous. Mm -hmm. So like open relationship only means, just strictly means um, that you don't just have sex with each other. Mm -hmm. It could include other details, but that's at least what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, And then polyamorous is is you have sex with other people other than just the two of you, but you are also, they're they're loving, romantic. It's an
0: emotional component. On
1: average, yeah, there's a Uh committed relationship, you know, like not not all polyamorous people are sexual there's asexual people who are polyamorous so hmm. there is not it's oh, not okay yeah see it's, it's very complicated yeah. there's different assets of our identities our sexual identities romantic manic identities things like that so yeah. um but uh yeah so that's the difference between those two words cool yeah Yeah.
0: It's informative yes yeah because i've been um, in an open relationship yeah um and also just so you know i'm I would say I'm cl- like, in terms are always weird. Yeah, but I would say I'm mostly uh, hetero romantic and sometimes bisexual. Yeah, you know, and you know, and um, it, again, it's like that you can't encompass or you you can't fully define. Yeah, but I'd say that that would probably be the, the terms I'm most comfortable with. Yeah, um, but but then also, I've very recently been in a situation where I was uh, dating a woman. Who wanted to be able to, in her terms, be open, but that meant that she could uh, have other sexual encounters, but was fully uncomfortable with me also. Yeah, having that's same, not okay. I, I, I'm honestly asking because she's like, I, I've been in the situation before, and other people are okay with it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine, good for them. That's fine, but like, I don't feel like that's fair. That's not a two way street. Am mm. I?
1: No, you're totally okay, right. Okay. Like she, she can present that to you and Mm -hmm. say, this is the situation that I would like to Mm -hmm. have. And then you can say, Nope, that doesn't work for me because I would also want to be able to have additional relationships. Mm And so, I mean, fair or not fair is contingent upon what do you want? Right. Like if you were amenable to it, it's Mm -hmm. fair because you both agree to it. It doesn't have
0: to be exactly a mirror situation. Just whatever works
1: for you guys. As long as you're open and honest about what you want, Mm -hmm. Everything that's that's the great thing about open relationships or poly or whatever you get to define it yourself. Mm -hmm. But you need to be ethical about Mm -hmm. it, and you need to be really communicative and clear about it. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting too because obviously I feel like uh, like terms like cheating. I don't think I think that that those are important terms, but then at the same time. Um, I think that, that implies obviously an emotional component and things like that, where where it's like you have to be open and honest and clear about what are the what what, what are the terms what here. Is, yeah, like cheating
1: is arbitrary. The yeah. word cheating is arbitrary. right, right, right.
0: But I, but I feel like that there is value in it, in that if it's like if you are lying or if you are um, being deceptive or or not communicating what what the rules are here. Yeah, you know, as we learn more about and and become more comfortable with. Sexuality, which obviously, hope, hopefully, as humanity progresses, people are learning more, and becoming yeah. more open-minded, and things like that. But then, if you're not communicating where you're at, then that then things just get sticky and yeah. and, and get tangled up. I think. Yeah.
1: I mean, poly or living in open in an open relationship or being ethically non-monogamous is not I
0: like ethically non-monogamous. Ethically non-monogamous yeah.
1: is another really good phrase. Um, it's not. Easy, it's harder mm. than a monogamous escalator relationship uh, or a marriage or whatever. It is harder mm. um, because, in a marriage, I'm saying things that are not 100% true, but on average like things are expected you just assume things it's just a lot easier because you know mm. what's expected you you've signed up for this, mm. this it's like predefined kind of i mean okay. yeah and that's that's the that's the gist of the phrase uh relationship escalator mm-hmm. because if you get on the next step you're going to go to the next step and everything is determined for you you know like you get into a relationship it's expected that next you're going to talk about are we boyfriend and girlfriend okay mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and then next we're going to talk about
2: do you you know, do we move
1: in together yeah. next we talk about are we getting a dog next we talk about are we getting married next we talk <laughs> right. about you know meeting family next mm-hmm. we talk about having kids next we talk about right. you know retiring together so mm-hmm. there's a lot of steps that are assumed right. in a monogamous relationship which in you know, a way makes it easier because mm-hmm. there's expectations whether mm-hmm. they're spoken or not about how things are going to progress yep whereas in poly or ethical non-monogamy there's a lot more communication that needs to happen because mm. you really are designing it yourself and that requires you to know yourself. It requires you to be self-aware, be emotionally intelligent, be able to communicate that. So you need to be interpersonally uh, articulate um, and you need to have a pretty good sense of boundaries. Like what is it appropriate for me to ask of a partner? What is appropriate mm. for me to say no to Yeah, like the way I see it, my husband's body it's none of my business. He can do what, with it whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. If he goes and has it like hooked up with someone tonight, he could do that. Right. I don't control him. I would be uncomfortable with that because he would jeopardize my sexual health. Because we've not talked about that as being a scenario. We've talked about you know getting tests and stuff. So that's not a part of our structure. But um, if he did that, yeah, I would he has the autonomy to do that. And then likewise, I have the autonomy to decide how I want to respond mm. to that.
0: Wow. That's really well put.
1: Right. So yeah. And I could react to that in a lot of different ways, but I, having an open, whatever, I'm just going to call it poly for the sake okay, of, sure, sure. But you, you define can consider, these terms. And so, yeah, I mean like non-ethical monogamy, like it, it, it um, it's really, it's fun in that way because you really, like...
0: Ethical, I'm sorry, ethical non-monogamy? I think you said non-ethical monogamy. Did I really? I was like, Ooh, this is a new term. I haven't thought of anything. No, not ethical non-ethical monogamy. Non-ethical monogamy? monogamy. Oh, that would be interesting. How do we parse that one out?
1: I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if, like, they don't want you to masturbate and you do. <laughs> I think that's what that is. But I sorry. like it because you can just, you can be clear about what you want. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, it's not a given. There's a lot of people who are doing poly poorly. But at least in how I'm acting it out, like I can just say, here's, here's what I need. Here's what I would like. Here's what I'm looking for. And laying it out because that's appropriate for me to mm-hmm. say. Those are appropriate things for me to put boundaries out for. That's all appropriate for me to say. It's not appropriate for me to expect someone to do those things for me or to be those things for me. It's appropriate for them to then look within themselves and say, "Let's see, do we match? Let's see, I can match you here, here, and here. Mm. You want to have a date night twice a week? That's not going to work for me. I've got a, I've got a kid. I can only do once a week. Um, you are open to, you know, uh, falling in love and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm open to that too. I'm not mm. looking for something casual. Mm. And you just kind of communicate, and then you decide between the two of yourselves. Like, can we create something together that we're comfortable with? Mm. And then you just decide together whether you want to do it or not. And then over time it evolves too. like, mm-hmm. like that's the nice thing. That's what I really like about it. All this, like oh, I could talk about this for days. If you let me keep talking, I will keep talking about you. this. Okay. I really like talking about it. Um, cause it's so nuanced and, yeah. and, and uh, like I just, I, I just love communication. I love honesty and I love setting boundaries and I love being emotionally articulate. Yes. Um, so what was I going to say? Just, it's been really, really helpful for me in terms of understanding what, what belongs to me yeah. and what belongs to other people. And mm-hmm. it's helped me to see other people as autonomous beings. And it's helped me to release a lot of the anger that I've had. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, like I recently had a, a fallout with a friend because um, she has been really judgmental towards me and the way that I'm living my life, which Mm. is ethical, but that's apparently not enough for her. Um, And I was mad at first. And then I was like, you know what? She has the right to have the values Mm. that she has Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. She, she's autonomous. Mm -hmm. She has autonomy over her mind and her values. She has autonomy over the people she wants to have in her life. Mm -hmm. She has autonomy over Her party and who she wants to invite to her party. And I don't have autonomy over that. She's in charge there. What I have autonomy over is how I'm going to respond to that. Do I want to stay in this relationship? Is the way she's talking about me and my life compromising or too far um, beyond the limits of what I'm comfortable with in a friendship? Mm. Like what does my autonomy want me to do here? Mm -hmm. And I just kind of reached the point. I was like, I don't want to be in this anymore. So I ended the relationship. Sure. Super classy. Mm -hmm. I would like to say like, Mm -hmm. cause I didn't lash out. I didn't blame her. It was like a lot of I statements. Like, I just feel like, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I respect, I told her, I respect that you don't understand. Like you don't, that this does not align with your values. Mm -hmm. It works for me. It aligns for my values. I'm just getting to the point where I'm really uncomfortable with the judgment that I'm getting from you. So we, it's prob- we probably don't have enough in common anymore
0: right. to be yeah. friends. Without being emotionally dramatic and being like, like screw that person, yeah. you know, or like, yeah. or like telling all your friends like dirty details that aren't even their business and, be, yeah. and like trying to bias everyone else's reaction within your friend group or, or you know, whatever the circumstance which, might be. Which
1: isn't to say that I haven't been bitching about her. Uh-huh. Like I have, mm-hmm. but... Rationally, in the way that I'm behaving towards her, Mm -hmm. like I respect her autonomy. And I think the way I think about it is if you lash out at them and you're like, in whatever instance, if someone has asserted themselves to you, like in this instance, my second boyfriend, uh, which his nickname is, what is it? Date boy. We call him date boy on on the things here. Um, He's going through some shit right now. Mm. And when he's going through some shit, he kind of hermit's. Mm. and he just wants to be by himself and Mm. that really hurts for me because Mm. I want to see him I want to talk to him and he shuts down and it's hard not to take that personally Mm -hmm. and I find it easier to manage when I remember that he's autonomous that he has Mm -hmm. this choice to decide Mm -hmm. who like he's managing his energy right now he's managing his stress and that this is not personal and he has the autonomy to make those decisions and his emotions
0: aren't necessarily a reflection how, how how he treats you when he's experiencing something doesn't necessarily have to be directly related with how he feels yeah. towards you. Yeah, no, He's I, allowed to have his own feelings yeah. and his own emotions and reactions. And that's something that's hard for me to swallow. Yeah, I have to remind myself of that a lot. Of t- Cause I'll take things personally and be like, well, why didn't, you know, why did you say that to me? Or why didn't you, you know, communicate with me? It doesn't, that's being selfish for me to even yeah. ask that question. It doesn't have to do with me and it doesn't have made to have choice. To do yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: He, yeah. And that's, I think that's what I feel like if I, my emotions want to yell at him, mm. want to just like grab him and be like, why won't you see me? Like, I want to see you. I want to hang out with you. I miss talking to you. I miss being with you. And I want to yell at him and be like, you don't fucking care about me. You don't love me or whatever. But like this whole thing about autonomy and, and, and honoring people's autonomy, when, w- when, if I were to do that to him, lash out, Yeah, I think that that is a direct, a direct way of saying that you're saying No. To their autonomy, you're you're denying that they have autonomy mm. by lashing out. You're saying, "No, I don't like the way that you've chosen deliberately how right. to live your life." Mm. I'm angry right. because you're not living it the way I want to. Because yeah. I want to be in charge right. of what you're doing uh-huh. with your body and your time. Right, and that's what you're saying. You're saying, "I want my, I want my, um, I want to be in charge of you." Yeah, that's where that anger is coming from. At least the way that I see it. And so that's been – this has been something I've been learning, I don't know, like just over the last six months or something. Mm. Just this kind of honoring of other people's autonomy and, and then just bringing it back to you. Yeah, Like this is now your responsibility of how you're going to respond to this. And, and you need to take care of yourself now. So like right now I feel very like – like, super bummed out. Like, I really want to see him. And I'm trying to honor the fact that he needs to hermit right now. He's going through some shit. This is an appropriate thing right. for him to do. So now what? Now what do I do? I have to take care of myself. I'm I'm disappointed because he can't be nurturing towards me or whatever and spend time with me. So it's not his responsibility. Right, yep. So... Now it's on me. Mm-hmm. And being angry at him that he's not scratching my itch doesn't help anything. Like, sure. now it's my responsibility to give myself what I need. And so I've been gardening this weekend. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, I've got some spray paint on my hands because I've been spray painting shit and planning shit. And What's that bandit on your finger from? Oh, it's just a cut on my finger. Mm. It's a dinosaur. Non gardening related. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, I'm I'm it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. It is hard. Yeah.
0: But then I think coming to terms with that approach of like and I've benefited a lot from that t- I should have offered you a water, I'm sorry. I'm no, I you, brought my brought water you, yeah, so you wouldn't have to worry about I'm it. Sorry about that. Mm-mm. Um but yeah, like I think it's it, vodka.
2: <laughs> Just kidding, I have gotcha. to drive.
0: <laughs> I think though uh, yeah, coming to that place and it does it does take work, it is hard, but coming to that place of being like like if even when I am with like communicating with either romantic partners or just friends, and maybe sometimes I'll go off and get emotional, mm. but then I can pride myself in the fact that I am at a point in life now where every time that happens, I can be like, "That was irrational." I'll communicate that to them, yeah, and say that was irrational and immature of me. I fully own that and I fully apologize. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to default back to to ration. Yeah you know, and, and, and back to, um, saying that you, I am an emotional being, I'm very emotional. I I get emotional about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. but at the same time being like, to the extent that I will forgive myself for being emotional, I will, I will fully invest in putting effort into doing that to other, to other people, you know, and to saying, I'm going to own my stuff. I, I hope that you own your stuff as well. And if you don't then I am going to respond to that and communicate that to you, you know? And, um, and it's also kind of hard to separate the standards, and a lot of times maybe the the over expectations that you hold for yourself yeah. from the the way that you expect that from other people. But I think that, like you said, I, I like this buzzword of yours autonomy. Yeah, you know that's a it's a that's a great term. Um, you know, saying that if if you're not if you're not valuing, um logic to the extent that i am or, or even in the way that i define it that's that's you and that's fine but i'm going to fully communicate at the very least you know and, and be honest about yeah about why i'm reacting how i'm reacting and and my needs even yeah and it doesn't mean that you owe me anything to meet those needs
1: Mm-mm.
0: you know but like there's are they're still my needs and i'm still gonna express them you yeah
1: know? Nobody knows. Nobody owes us anything. Yeah, that's something I wrote down the other day as I was kind of processing all this stuff. He doesn't owe me right shit. Yeah. So if I'm disappointed,
0: mm-hmm. then you're disappointed.
1: Yeah. Then I need yeah. to think about like. So I think you know is I have to ask myself. Okay, is this pain worth it? Mm. Like, can can I manage this? Like, somebody might say like I can't handle this. I I feel. Like, it gives me bad feelings when my partner doesn't want to talk to me Mm. for days at a time. Like, and it does. It does. It's hard not to internalize that, even though it doesn't have to do with me. Um, And someone might say, yeah, I I can't. I can't handle these times that you're hermiting for. It hurts too much. But guess what? That's not his fault. Yeah. Like, (laughs) that's you. And how you're internalizing and whether you're someone who ruminates, whether you're somebody who has a lot of negative uh, feedback loops, whether, you know, how competent you feel with managing your feelings and the way that you're interpreting things. So right now I'm like, can I deal with this? Yes, I think I can. It's really uncomfortable. Mm. How I feel right now is not his fault. It, he he does not own that. Um. And so I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Like he's going through some shit and I don't think it's going away anytime soon.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know how I'm going to get through it, but like that's one of the nice things about non-monogamy, like relationships can change.
2: Yeah.
1: Like if he needs time to not be emotionally invested with me, that's not a deal breaker. Like it hurts, but it's not a deal breaker because I wasn't on an escalator. Mm. With him, I'm not trying to go anywhere. I I just mm. like him, mm. and if he needs, you know, some time for himself, like as long as like our relationship is still generally solid, like I look forward to managing my emotions around that. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I like about Polly. I'm like, this is gonna fuck me up. Mm-hmm. Like the shit, like the insecurity it brings up for me, fucks with me, and I love it because mm. then I can know myself better and become stronger like we haven't even talked about jealousy yet like that's fucking Mm -hmm. hard like when my husband started dating mm. yeah Mm -mm. and that's where it was really helpful again to own my feelings like if ever i felt insecure about something it was never like how dare you like you love her more than me you think she's hotter than me and like i hear a lot of like a lot of people reach out to me about poly stuff, and they're like, "Oh my god, can I talk to you about mm. poly stuff?" And like, there's a lot of women who feel that way. They feel really insecure. Yeah. Um, and I did too, but also, it's not his shit to own. Mm-hmm. Like, we signed up for this. We agreed right. to this. This is this is his body. He owns his body. What I'm feeling here is still legitimate. It mm-hmm. still needs to be managed, and it's not his shit it's Mm -hmm. not his shit it's my shit and so it ended up being like that like managing jealousy brought me to a place where i actually loved myself more because like she was like this he has one girlfriend and they've been together for almost a year and a half and but she is like this um the epitome of what i think i'm supposed to be as a woman like she's got like long hair and she wears makeup and she wears like low cut dresses and short dresses and high heels. And she has no problems talking about like masturbating in front of anyone or talking about penises and like much more explicit and personal stuff than I've been bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I feel like that's what men want. And so when they started dating, I was like,
0: Mm, triggered
1: oh yeah and she's like hella horny all the time super horny Mm -hmm. and obviously like i told you like the the shit that i'm carrying with me like there's some messiness there and so like i felt really insecure like oh yeah he he's gonna leave me because now she he's got this this epitome of womanhood and she's just hot hot to trot Mm -hmm. and like there's no reason for me anymore and like that was really really hard to Mm deal with, and i I managed it pretty fucking well and like it took a year and I did a lot of therapy and actually I talked to her a lot about it, which was nice. And, um, yeah, it was really stressful, but in the end, like I got to a place like it almost happened overnight. Like I was hanging out with her and I was just like kind of watching how she acted and it kind of dawned on me. I don't want to be her. Yeah. Like I, I'm okay with me. Like listeners who don't see me, like I've got, I'm super comfy right now. Like I've got <laughs> jeans on. I've got this big black hoodie from black non-believers that I bought from Indisa Thomas, who I met a couple weeks ago. He's oh, cool. badass. And like, I've got super short hair, like a pixie cut. And less people think I'm lesbian and I don't talk in a way like a woman's supposed to talk. Mm. Like I'm dominating this conversation and you're a white man. Like, mm-hmm. like I, uh, nothing about me is what, women are supposed to be and but it was last year when i just kind of realized but i that's i'm i want to be that Mm -hmm. though and like and if if someone is doesn't find that attractive they can fuck off yeah Mm because i'm not being attractive is not my rent that i have to pay on earth you know
0: and even can I tell you something like that? That language, whenever someone says, I'm not or I'm supposed to be here in life now. Yeah. or Like, I'm not supposed to be. I, I just always say, who the fuck told you? Like, who put this bug in? And, like, that's just how I think. No, so, like, you're not a fully blank slate. Like, and yeah. I don't say that to be aggressive towards no, no, you. No. It just is something where I'm just always like, I'm not mad. at I'm not reacting negatively to that person saying that i'm reacting negatively to whoever the fuck told you you have to wear makeup or you have to be this yeah. or that you know it's like who show me this motherfucker who told you supposed to this and this and that
1: right and i understand your anger yeah. but i also need you to, to realize that it's everywhere yeah like, everyone yeah, 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 is yeah. telling us like and i'm not trying to again, fault you yeah no 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 okay. no i know that i just i just want you to have that awareness okay. of what women mm. experience from all directions mm-hmm. About what standards we're supposed to meet, and and that's been something I've been unpacking with this new boyfriend I have, uh, who I've been dating since November. Um, Because like he's into thick thighs, like legit into thick thighs, Mm -hmm. and so like he likes me, and like like legit, it's not like he like lowered his standards or anything. Like like I am literally the thing that he thinks about before he even met me. Like this is the body Mm -hmm. that I like, and I'm like. That's a thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you can, you like he's like yeah. Like yeah. dudes like all kinds of bodies. They're not allowed to,
2: right.
1: but they do. And sure. again, I'm I'm talking very cis hetero terms right now. But but they're they're that's the other problem. Like men are fed this message that you're supposed to like this one type of woman. And yeah. if you don't, again, cis cis het. But if you don't like this one kind of woman, you're not supposed to admit it. Like, Because yeah. then you're gonna get shamed. Mm-hmm. by your bros potentially I could be just making now I'm talking in your territory so like you know better than me but like that's the impression that I get
0: no absolutely yeah and I'm I'm attracted uh I guess the 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 phrase would be like you know bbw I'm mm-hmm. attracted you know to to juicy, juicy. bodies <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but um I hope that's not an offensive term to use but uh and yeah it took me like a long for a long time I, I would I was ashamed to admit, like I don't. I'm attracted to a a, a Barbie body with a bunch of makeup on it and things yeah. like that. Which is, again, it's fine. And, and now, as as a cisgendered white guy, I'm I'm. It sounds like I'm complaining about the social standards that I have to come to terms with or whatever. But but just to respond to specifically what you were saying, yeah, there is there are expectations around that and yeah. and weird shame, but it's not a big fucking deal, like. And, and, uh, and it's probably a good thing that, that things are moving in a direction. Like, I think honestly, like porn sites and things like that. And, and, and people like, it almost creates a community where it's like, oh, there's other people who are into the things that I'm into,
2: you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot more variety out there now too. They're changing some of the words like, uh, um, what was the one site that had, um, what's that one word that they use for trans people? That's just terrible. Mm. Uh, like. Uh shit. It's the word that they use in the Philippines. There's some kind of word. Philippines. That, yeah, hmm. like, I don't know. That was a dead end. But oh, I just know that they updated it.
0: Like... <clears throat> Wait, it, like, like did they use in like Korea and stuff too, or
1: mm, I don't know. I okay, just because I don't want to say
0: the word even that I'm thinking
1: of. Why is it just like it Lady naughty? Boys? Yes, that's okay, the one I was okay, thinking okay. of. Yeah, that there used to be like a category, mm-hmm. um, and I don't remember what site it was that they called it Lady Boy, but really it's trans, yeah, trans people, and I guess they updated that mm-hmm. on some site recently, which I was like, okay, that's good, yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's why porn bothers me too and i can't watch porn because like i i, I make film oh wow. cool so like i can't watch it because i'm just like yeah, the, the lighting's really bad <laughs> that's a horrible angle yeah.
0: mm-hmm. i can't
1: even hear the audio yeah. right now mm-hmm. like and that's what i do like to most things that i watch i mm-hmm. just think about how they made them and i'd like forget to like actually follow the story
0: <laughs> yeah well i mean yeah story based yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that's a whole nother conversation. There are obviously a lot of problems. I was just speaking specifically about the creation of communities that validate things. I'm, and I'll say that, and I'm not saying this even to be defensive because I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I'm mm. not a, a big fan of porn at all, you know, but I Again, I'm not saying that to be defensive. But mm. I'm just saying that to put into context that I'm referring more specific. And I, maybe I, I am being a little bit defensive, but uh, I'm just saying more specifically just that, like the creation of communities who validate each other, I think is really important in realizing yeah. I'm not, I'm not weird i'm I'm not the majority, but that doesn't mean um that, I'm, that that I'm wrong or that i'm
1: something that I shouldn't be right you know right yeah, uh I was gonna say something I forgot what it was um, yeah porn <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah i went to have you heard of uh the hump festival no uh-huh. dan savage uh-huh. um started a a film festival. 10 years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. called the hump festival and it's amateur porn, even though not all of it's actually like porn. Some of it's just like they're naked while they do something or they, it, some of it doesn't even have any porn at all. It's just like talking about sex. Hmm. And there's just these beautiful films that people submitted for the festival. And some are just like straight up fucking hilarious. Like there was one, um, that was just like a slow pan across like, uh, like 10, uh, people with penises and it was in slow motion and they were all just like, like
2: helicoptering, the hol- yeah, they were <laughs> helicoptering and it was all
1: in slow motion and you're just panning across it and you could just see like the variety and penises and it didn't have to be sexualized. Mm-hmm. It was just like, here's a bunch of dicks mm-hmm. and here's the different, uh, manifestations of pubes. And like, it was just kind of this, just like. Hey, and that was it. Like that was mm-hmm. it. It was just a slow motion helicopter <laughs> thing across a bunch of dicks. And that was one of the films uh-huh.
0: Probably the cheapest <laughs> helicopter shot that's ever been done. Anymore. Some of <laughs> these are
1: super cheap, like cheap, cheap films, but they're beautiful. And there was this other film that was uh, made by this couple that was experimenting with fire. I don't know what you call it, fire play or whatever. Okay.
0: Yeah. I know what you're referring to. I'm not sure what the term is. Yeah. You know.
1: I think it's probably fire play. Um, and, it was like it was so intimate because there was no there was no music soundtrack. It was just them talking. She she was very clearly nervous, and she was you know like ah like and like there's they light this thing that's going across her chest Oof. and down yeah. And it it was it was the endearing part was them talking. Back and forth, is there like, are you okay? Like, oh, when wow. we do cool. this, like, yeah. it, just the communication that went on, it was just so real. Like that, like if there's porn, that's porn. Like that's real sex. Like mm, the the, yeah, the, right, the, right, the right. intimacy between mm-hmm. that that couple and the communication that they had as they were experimenting with something new and the, wow. the ongoing consent and um, experimentation with it. Like that was what was really endearing.
2: That's cool.
1: Um, that was one of my favorite films. But yeah, that that's another. That's a fantastic festival. It comes through Minneapolis once a year. Awesome. Um, I think it comes through in September. Is it Humfest? Humfest. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's Dan Savage.
0: I was actually. It's funny that you brought up film because I was actually going to ask you this earlier. Uh, are you a fan of Joe Swanberg at all? I've never heard of him. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, Mumblecore. Nope. Films. Okay. Well, it's uh, it's kind of. Realist. It's kind of I, maybe it has its roots in like some like French cinematography type of stuff, but it's okay. like really kind of um, really raw filmmaking. None of the dialogue is ever scripted. Okay, it's all fully improvised. So a lot of it is kind of stunted and awkward. Huh. Um, but he has. Do you, do you watch Netflix at all? Yeah. He has a show on Netflix called Easy that... As oh,
1: yeah. Far- I watch Easy. Okay, yeah. So yeah. that's
0: his show. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew
1: that the, a lot of that is improvised. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think, I think all the dialogue all is... All of it. I'm pretty sure... All, all of his films, the dialogue is fully improvised. I, I, obviously, like, there's... There is... I don't know if you'd even call it a script, but you know, he writes out, like, the, the plot. Yeah. general, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the direction of the scene and things like that. But um, have you seen, like, the most recent season...
1: Um, I'm up to the, I, I, I caught up to the part where, um, that one main couple, um, spoiler alert yeah, becomes Polly. Yes. Yeah. And so, so that's like, what kind of made
0: me think of that? Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I
1: watched cause my host was like, dude, have you seen this episode on mm-hmm. easy yet? Like it's about Polly is so cool. Mm-hmm. Huh? So I just watched that one where they're talking at the bar. And just like having a real heart to heart, Mm -hmm. and I watched that, and I was like,
0: "That's the last episode of the most recent season, actually."
1: Is it okay? And
0: you don't have to watch the episodes; they are
1: not dependent on each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was very moving, and I was, I was wondering. I was like, "This is so real." Like Mm -hmm. they are such good actors, and then cast was like, "Oh no, it's all improvised." Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay."
0: Like yeah, it's so well cast, and everyone's so talented in that show. Mm -hmm. And there's something else that. Uh, that you said that reminded me of it because I was thinking like Marie would love this show but there's uh, there's another episode um, between uh, a couple where I don't I don't want to like go into too much detail because um, I don't, don't want to spoil anything at all but uh, essentially it's there's a conversation that's pretty much exactly what we were talking about about autonomy and, and mm-hmm. owning the fact that like People are allowed to have private thoughts that don't necessarily have to, I don't have to internalize that and assume that it, to selfishly assume that is a reflection on how they feel about me. Yeah. You know, like people, people are allowed to, to hopefully own themselves. And even if they don't own it, they can still have private thoughts that I don't, I don't have to react or I don't have to get carried away with emotional reactions to those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's cool. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know which episode that is, but. Yeah, that's a good show mm-hmm. I, I like how they portray well that couple I, I don't like what she did she ended up getting involved with like a married y- yeah, guy right, in a right, non-ethical right. situation yeah, right like, yeah I, I don't
0: think do you know. you're supposed to necessarily be rooting for her in that yeah. situation though no yeah, yeah i don't
1: think they're trying to sell it that way yeah like, hey, this is fun uh-huh. or that i don't think they're trying to make Polly yeah. look bad either. right
0: no not at all but, yeah yeah it's just like a it's just a, a real portrait you know, of of two people interacting with each other, and it's very nuanced, very complicated. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like you said, it's 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 harder. I think it's is that how it's you phrased much harder, it? Yeah, yeah. To be uh-huh. to poly, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I really liked his character, the main guy. I don't remember his name.
0: I can't remember his name either.
1: With the he's blonde and has like a goatee thing going mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. but like his characters. Uh, like I related to him a lot. Like he's super good at he's good at poly. Like mm-hmm. he's very communicative. He's he was really good at like setting mm-hmm. boundaries and stuff. I, I I really saw myself in him. Mm. But um yeah no that was a really good show. Yeah
0: it's a great show. Yeah yeah and they're not even sponsoring this episode.
1: All that money <laughs> that we're not gonna get from uh-huh. them because of all the listeners. Right as a right. fellow
0: podcaster I'm, I, I, it kind of makes me think. I Do you guys have any sponsors? Nah. No no. It's so hard to do, right? It's hard to monetize podcasting.
1: Every time Cass and I talk about it, it's just like, uh, yeah, sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, uh-huh. and like we're just we're just never gonna. I think we like we probably don't make any money at all from the show. Yeah, like we've got Patreon people, mm, and like mm-hmm. we get maybe like three hundred a month or something, but that like covers the bills, right? Of like. And having a bad. website it's not bad that's we not have bad at all. uh episodes we get probably about 1600 downloads per episode nice. i would think after it's been live for about three months or so okay. that's about how how, cool. how high it hits but yeah so like i'm just happy that people listen mm-hmm. Like i always say like i mean our, our show is obviously very niche like we don't mm-hmm. explore like a lot of topics outside of deconversions and yeah. stuff and but i one thing that's true for me is that i i don't i'm not invested in seeing the number constantly going up mm-hmm. like i i do want to talk about the show so that people who want to yes, hear it can absolutely. hear it yeah and i also want people to stop listening when they're done because mm-hmm. a lot of people get done and they just they're i'm good like i really don't need to process this anymore yeah and i they don't need to like they don't need to feel bad about like if they know me personally they're mm-hmm. like i don't want to listen to the show anymore yeah that's Move on. Live mm-hmm. your life. Yeah, right. I'm still angry. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be here talking some more. <laughs>
0: I'm still angry. Yeah.
1: So I think this is just going to keep happening. Uh-huh. But yeah, like that's that's how I see our show. Like, mm-hmm. It's never meant to just grow indefinitely. Mm-hmm. It's just meant to be there as a resource for people. For sure. Yeah.
0: It's a beautiful way to approach it. Yeah. Do you think that, um, and this is a very interviewee type question. Ooh. Yeah. But uh, do you think that you're, um, that your relationship with uh, that your maybe that your worldview regarding the lack of existence of God or like or, or even just regarding religion and your relationship with uh, the concept of sexuality. Do you think that those are conclusions that you would have arrived on, or, or even that the anger or that your your emotional reactions to either of those things? Do you think that that's fully dependent on your conditioning and your background and stuff like that? Like, I, I'm not asking. Would you believe in God? But like, would would the term God even be in your head? Like, would you be angry at God or at the or not God? Like you know, would at the church or at um, at, at at religious institutions? Or, or if you were presented with the concept of religion, do you think you'd have the same reaction that you do now as a blank slate, or is it is it fully a reaction to your conditioning? That's a really abstract abstract question, but. I guess I'm asking. Would you be? How about this? Would you be? Do you think you'd be Polly without oh, the bag? Or no, I don't want to say baggage, it. but without the. Um,
1: got it. Got it.
0: Does yeah. that make any sense? Did I articulate that? No, at I understand all? what you're saying okay. now. Like,
1: would you have arrived Would I would have you have arrived, arrived where you're at to the place that I'm yeah. at with sexuality, which is mildly fringy, without the antagonism of Christianity's puritanical Nailed it. culture?
0: There it is.
1: Well, yes, thank Marie.
2: For... <laughs> thank you for
1: asking that question, Marie. You're uh... welcome,
0: Marie. I'm just going to, there's going to be an awkward point where I just, I word for words ask the question <laughs> that you just asked. I'm going to re record it after And then you leave. just
1: like dip it down so that, like, yeah. it like sounds like your voice. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I,
0: have hard, I, have, I, I have a hard time uh, putting words together sometimes. So no, thank you for helping legit. me. Legit.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm pretty good at trying to restructure it, So that yeah. totally works. Thank you. Um, would this have happened had I not been treated like shit in religion? There it is.
0: There it is. Um, Putting it into your own vocabulary, I like that. What, yeah, usually what my vocabulary
1: includes swear words. No,
0: I'm, I don't mean that specifically. I just, oh, no, mean, I'm just
1: laughing because that's I just yeah. like swearing a lot. Yeah. Um, I fucking hate swearing. J- fuck right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. Ugh, it's the worst. Um, um, I don't, I don't know the answer. to... Yeah. To that. I probably not. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like. I don't think. If I had not been fed purity culture, Mm -hmm. I still would have deconverted. But if I had not been fed purity culture, I might have had a healthier view of sexuality. And that would have been enough. Yeah. Like sufficient enough Mm -hmm. that. I would have probably just been okay with whatever relationship I ended up in. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think I would yeah. be here mm-hmm. were it not for Jesus. So <laughs> thank you, Jesus. If he
0: wasn't, your ex-boyfriend. Yeah, yeah,
1: my ex-boyfriend <laughs> who was never real to begin with.
0: Yeah, wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah. Yeah.
1: no, I don't think so. That's an interesting mm-hmm. question, but I never really thought about it.
0: Yeah. I feel like a lot, for my in my experience, I can say that this is true for me, I've noticed patterns where it's like, oh, I'm attracted to that thing, maybe because it's a reaction to something in my past, you know, or, and maybe I'm getting a little bit Freudian or whatever, but I feel there, like
1: there is no, I mean, so I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, mm-hmm. but that was 10 years ago. Still, however, none of us are blank slates. Okay. Not even from the day that we're born. So there is no like, no, there's nothing affecting me. I'm actually responding to this out of, mm-hmm. out of what like out of your blank slateness. No, you're not a blank slate. Mm-hmm. You never were. You've got, at the very least, you're born with all these genetics that are informing right. you, and then yeah, you're yeah. conditioned from day mm-hmm. one the way that you were born. Mm-hmm. You're or you conditioned have hormones from that, another, yeah, th- yeah. Is there's, there's everything is feeding into everything. There is no like no. I just. This is who I am at my mm-hmm. core. Not nah, like we're, yeah, this is a discussion about kind of about free will. Yeah. Or right? a nurture biological. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but on a, uh-huh. like a biological yeah, 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 level. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Asked and answered. Yes. So no, no, I would not. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm but I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for the next thing to destroy. Mm-hmm. So I don't nice. know what that's going to be.
0: Hmm. What all have you successfully destroyed thus far?
1: Religion. Mm hmm. Um, serving the patriarchy, mm-hmm. um, monogamy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, giving a fuck about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I don't know. What I'm are you
0: working on destroying that you haven't destroyed
1: yet? <sighs> That's an interview question. Mm-hmm. Um... I guess related to sexuality, I haven't figured out how to rebuild Hmm. uh, with my husband. Like we had the shit that we went through and then we have stopped being sexually intimate with each other. And I just have never heard of anyone else being in this situation before of being like, hey, you know, the sex that we're having, it's no, let's just stop it. We're just going to stop it. And we're going to start over.
2: Mm.
1: Like, hmm. I don't know who's done that. Like with someone you've been with yeah. for how long have I known him? Almost 10 years. Mm. Um, mm. It's a new adventure and I don't really know how we're going to do it. But as I've said, in other on other platforms, we are burning it to the ground, mm-hmm. just burn it all to the ground. Yeah. Starting from scratch. And uh, the best thing I could think of is just kind of reading some books together like some basic like uh, books about sex and communication because that's what we need mm-hmm. to work on because mm-hmm. we were never communicative. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I'm learning with my boyfriend, uh, date boy, that is essential. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't just... Some people like to go into sex and just be like... Blah, and they just like they're very intuitive and animalistic, and they just kind of do what feels right. And they have no problem saying or like signaling or just doing what they want to do. And it's very intuitive. Not me, like, yeah. no, nah, like, I need to talk it to death, sure, just talk it to fucking death. Mm. And he's that is not something that he's made for, so like, yeah, that's something I still figuring out and Mm. i'm also still i'm still trying to figure out what i want to be when i grow up (laughs) yeah because like Mm -hmm. my 40-hour job thing is not fulfilling Mm. and ever since i got involved in the show in november i can't even tell you like conversations like this are just um so satisfying to me and life giving to me. Like I'm going to be on a high for like the rest of the day because I got to talk about sex and death for a yeah. while. Like this, this is what I made for to have these conversations. Yeah. Like you're I, good. at it. You're great at it. I, well, that's cause I'm only, I'm talking by myself, <laughs> I'm, like dominating you, but, but you're interviewing me. So yeah, okay. exactly. If it was that's different. The, yeah. I would let you that's talk the format. More. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, yeah, it, it's, I don't know what to do with this like finding out that I have a strong voice about this when I haven't had a voice Mm. before that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I could use my voice. I didn't feel like I had anything to say that was helpful to anyone. And then I got on the show and it turns out I have a lot to say Mm. and it turns out that people really resound with it. It turns out that some of the things that I'm learning are challenging a lot of people. Yeah. Whereas I thought I was just a fuck up just trying to survive. And now people are like, no, you inspire me. And I'm like, what mm. the fuck is happening yeah. here? Like my world is being tipped, like turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just feeling like I I just don't think I can go into work every day and just like schedule appointments for yeah. 40 hours a right. week. Like, how can I do this full right.
2: time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That's for, see,
0: that's where the sponsors come in. I guess. See, that's the problem. I
2: guess that's the problem that, that we face like as podcasters. A fucking word. I know. I know. I
1: mean, who's going to pay me to talk about sex and death? Like, really? Like, what sponsor is going to do that?
0: There's that like Adam and Eve sponsor right here in some podcasts. It's like some like sex toys and stuff. I don't know. Do you own? Um, are you comfortable owning the fact that that people respond to your voice? Like, are you are you comfortable being like, yeah, I am an important voice. Yeah, I do affect things. Depends, Is that hard to swallow?
1: Dep- yeah. It depends on the day. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah, cause I'm a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think about things in ways that a lot of people don't. And I push through a lot of fears that a lot of people don't, which makes me mm, more intimate with the darker, tougher parts of humanity that I think a lot of people don't get to. Yeah. But then I feel, already like when I say that I'm like eh,
2: mm-hmm. do
1: I really want to like go there and just yeah. like uh, like? I don't think it's like this thing from religion like where I, I don't want to come off as prideful but mm-hmm. I also like really try to stay away from making blat- blanket statements or saying things in a black and white way
2: sure.
1: so uh, I don't know there are some. there are some people who like what I say there are some people that don't and have stopped listening mm-hmm. because they think I'm bragging about sleeping with a married man So, I don't know. Some people like it. Some people don't. Yeah. And I'm glad that some people like it. It feels good
2: Mm -hmm.
1: when we get feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people don't like it that Cass doesn't talk as much in the show anymore because I talk.
2: Okay.
1: And I'm not exactly, I'm not a sidekick.
0: (laughs) Your co-host, not a sidekick. I'm a
1: co-host and I have a lot to say. And so... I don't know, it's complicated, mm-hmm. I don't know what I think it's yeah you you hit a little uh, a little button like not like not like shut up mm-hmm. st- stop making me talk about it you this said open
0: book, I wouldn't have even asked that question, No,
1: yeah, you can ask whatever you want, but yeah it's um I'm, yeah, it is I think what is it called the um faker what is it called the thing where the complex where you're afraid that you're a a false that you're a faker hmm, i don't know no it's fuck someone's gonna someone's listening in their car a week <laughs> from now being like it's called this yeah. and i'm like okay.
0: let's make up a new word for it how about
1: uh faker syndrome
0: sounds good yeah that'll work is it spelled with a ph or an f PH. Yeah. Said two white
1: people.
2: <laughs> Let's appropriate Cultural that. Appropriation, yeah, maybe. take
1: that. Woo-hoo. Also, you guys are all staying in prison, but we're going to just take your culture. That's fun.
0: Yeah, that's really fun.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like talking about racism, too. Mm. That's really fun. I like talking about, yeah, because people. People like to talk about racism. white people mm-hmm. like to talk about racism with their neighborhood black person yeah. or their token cringy. black person they need to not do that. Yep. they need to read a book mm-hmm. they need to shut up mm-hmm. and they need to listen I agree and
0: just like guys shouldn't talk about uh i don't think I should talk about like abortion and
1: I love like talking to men about the me too movement yeah because there's a lot of you should really cut me off at any point this is going to be a three-hour long show i got another hour okay um
0: i might take a cigarette break but we can keep talking
1: that's fair the the there's a lot of men have opened up to me about the me too relation me too relationship me too movement because they are uncomfortable with some of it and they have questions and like insecurities or doubts about how it's all playing out but they don't feel like they can say anything Mm. because women will chew off their heads and just become very hostile and reactive
2: yeah
1: and i find that dynamic really interesting and so i've had the opportunity to talk to a handful of men who have questions or concerns or criticisms about the Me Too movement, but don't say anything because they're like, there's no way that they can, they they're, they're, they're just get their heads bitten off, and yeah. which is interesting and fair, kind of. It's complicated. Very
0: com- nuanced again. Yeah, again. it's
1: very nuanced because women do not owe it. I, I know I'm just acknowledging again, using very cishet terms, but women do not owe it to men to explain misogyny Mm. to explain everything that me too encompasses, which is misogyny, which is sexual harassment, which is rape culture. It is not our responsibility to explain that. And when a man expresses ignorance about it and criticizes it, I think it's, uh, one of many valid responses to bite off his head. Mm. (laughs) And I don't think that women owe it to men to stay cool and chill and coddle them. Mm. Um, but some women can, I'm not coddling men, but I I do, to those who are respectful and curious, I do like to like engage them and to see, you know, what they're thinking about. And usually it's just like, I don't know, they just have concerns about it, like going too far or stuff like that, or, or, or maybe maybe not so much about the Me Too movement, but like, well, now women just want you to ask for like permission to do like literally anything. Like, you, I don't I don't even feel safe talking to a woman anymore because I'm afraid they're going to go like apeshit because I said something mm-hmm. or I touched them or whatever. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's um, I can understand where you're coming from, also. Yeah. Yeah, sure. If you could get consent, please please. ask women because that's the problem, like that they're upset because now things got complicated Mm -hmm. where it was just assumed before that, you know, all I'm all I'm doing is just touching your back like this is just a very friendly thing. It's obviously very friendly. We're in public. I'm just touching your back. Also, but the woman's like, I didn't say you could touch my back. This is a again back to autonomy, back yeah. to things that belong to you and things that don't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my body belongs to me. If I don't want to have it touched, that is the rule. Yeah, that's that's the end of sure. the discussion. Of and and so when these men are frustrated about. Now they're going to have to think in nuanced terms. They're yep. going to have to communicate. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to get consent. They're going to have to figure out a new way of being. Sure. Because it's been different um, up to this point. And women have not wanted it to be this way for a long time. And course, yeah. now, that, now mm-hmm. their voice is getting a lot louder, mm-hmm. um, thanks to many brave women who have come out. hmm Um, and shared what has happened to them. but And those are bigger things, right? Like the Harvey Weinstein shit is obviously atrocious. But then it gets down into the finer things. And again, this comes back full circle for me about education, about sexuality, and the communication Mm -hmm. there within. Like, I think men keep fucking up because none of us are educated about how to treat each other consensually. I think more so now, I think in schools we're talking more about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, go back and watch anything in the eighties, like all the movies and stuff, mm-hmm. like the revenge of the nerds, there was a rape scene yeah, there that was like seen as like awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. That's not the only example of that either.
1: Oh no, yeah. no, no. And it's, it's seen as funny. Like it's seen as like, it's no big deal or like, that the woman is grateful because it was actually like really good sex. Mm That's what happened in the revenge of the nerds. Mm -hmm. She thought it was her boyfriend and it wasn't. And then she was just like super stoked that it was really good sex or Mm -hmm. something. So yeah, the media and that's, that's rape culture.
0: Yeah. While we get into the nuance of that, there's something that frustrates me. And of course I don't, I don't have like, this is the silliest. It's just confusing to me. So I I have just two example. Maybe three examples where I I'm I think kind of similar to you in that I want to talk through things in the sexual experience, and that doesn't uh, turn me off in any way. If anything, that turns me on more is to know that both parties are fully engaged and into it. Yeah. Um. And so I've been frustrated. Uh, I have a friend. We were, I guess, maybe if you want to use the term, like friends with benefits. um, A young woman who uh, was very, very, um, you know, she would call herself very feminist and like she went to to Oberlin College and was like very progressive and and forward thinking and stuff. And but then a couple of times when we would have uh, sexual experiences together, she would be like, I just want you, like, if if I if I had any hesitation or, or was like here you know are you cool with this she'd be I like, want you just take me like like don't ask me and I'm like I, well I'm not really comfortable with that just personally Would but she, she
1: say that while you were having sex or not, not before dr- like
0: yeah in 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 initiating. She'd be like, "I like just take I just want you to just to throw me down and just take me
1: but when she told you that was that while you were not in a sexual engagement
0: it would be like maybe I'm initiate like maybe I go like I'm kissing her oh, and then, yeah
1: see that's not the time to talk about sex dynamics yeah anyway I'm sorry I to but, well that. I'm just saying like but,
0: and then this kind of ties into like i I once had a, a similar experience with a, another uh female who who would like want me to just like she's like would tell me before fully before him before any uh, engagement started happening that sh- that she would like wanted me to like to choke her and things. And it's okay, like whatever your kink is, is fine. But like to me, it's just like I've one, I'm not into one, I'm just going to go fully flaccid if I were to do that, which again, like that is a personal preference or whatever, mm-hmm. which is fine. But like, I it's I, th- I feel like it is it is amplified by by um. Uh, it's hard to disown that to disassociate that. I think from rape culture when, when that's coming to the surface, it's like, like how I don't know. And I, I'm just, it's frustrating. I'm not, I'm even taking a stance one way or the other, yeah. but it's just like, it, it is really nuanced. And it's like, it's fine to be what into what you're into, but like asking someone to, to do something that if seen from the outside would look like a non-consensual interaction is just like it's not just like oh yeah I'd be into that but I but I don't want to because it looks bad it's just like that to me is just a, a, a turn off and of course that's a preference yeah but it has, yeah it's just I can
1: see the dissonance for yeah. you yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that's um yeah that is complicated because some people some women do have like rape fantasies right. or like That's kind
0: of what I'm dancing around.
1: Yeah yeah they do yeah and there's nothing wrong with that and that also doesn't mean that they deserve to be raped. Right. And it also does not mean that see the difference the difference there's nothing wrong with them wanting that we can have a discussion about why they have that um fantasy and where that comes from but ultimately if that's what they want and it feels good doesn't fucking matter right. you're not their ther- mm-hmm. not you but yeah right, right, right. the partner mm-hmm. is not their therapist to try to figure out where is this coming from sure. is this healthy but if your partner says that that's what they want that's what they want sure and um i can see how that causes dissonance as uh, a man who's trying to be an ally for women mm-hmm. um and the me too movement and you're like yeah I definitely don't rate people unless they tell you to R- yeah like, yeah and
0: I, yeah and, it, and there's dissonance in, in that like like you said but i don't know i i just maybe i maybe what i'm saying is i can't put myself in the mindset of a guy who uh, who apart from being like i'm just doing this because or not even a guy a person who is like i'm I'm doing this because my partner wants it and it turns me on to turn them on Mm. i don't i cannot just put i'm not saying it's wrong i just can't put myself into the mindset of someone who'd be like yes she wants me to choke her i'm like that's
1: yeah you don't have to be enthusiastic about it Mm -hmm. sex can be whatever you want it to be there can be things that you can that you are um agree to do that don't turn you on but that you do for your partner Mm -hmm. there could be those things also that you that disturb you so much that you don't you can't do like it sounds like you have this little line that you're not sure like if you're comfortable going there or Mm -hmm. not um and you don't have to
2: yeah you don't
1: have to go there and i
0: and for me every time it's been like i like that's the like i I can't do and i express that it's not like oh it's it's fucked up that you want that it's just yeah, like can i judge, can't yeah. i can't do that
1: and that's super fair yeah, right exactly and it's good to be honest and mm-hmm. and yeah i'm yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with either, either yeah things. no I yeah yeah it's just like we were talking about before like showing up in an autonomous way where your partner would say to you what she's interested in she puts it out and she says this is what i would like Mm -hmm. And then you say, here's what I can put down. I'm not seeing a whole lot of overlap. Right. I don't think. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. We're Mm -hmm. not going to. But but you were both honest with each Mm -hmm. other. And and the important thing is that you don't compromise Mm -hmm. on what you're really actually comfortable with. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it's going to cause resentment. And a lot of shit that I went through with my husband, basically Mm -hmm. doing shit I didn't really want to do. Right. For sure. Yeah. That's that's a very complicated. Yeah. Thing. right yeah mm-hmm. I could see that for sure yeah but that's I mean it's a really common kink
0: like yeah sure yeah mm-hmm.
1: but and then that's that's the interesting part where it's not like you can't just go up to your partner like and be like yeah and you do pretend to rape me tonight like Things like that need a lot more talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and assuming that you consent to it, that you're interested in exploring it with your partner, it requires a lot of talking, mm-hmm. like doing that kind of thing. For and that's, sure. that's what I've learned a lot with this new boyfriend of mine because he's very articulate and communicative, and he's more sexually experienced than I am. Mm-hmm. So he's had more um, opportunities to articulate these kinds of things, and he's ve- he's a sex nerd. Like he mm-hmm. just like learns a lot about this stuff, and mm-hmm. like he's just a connoisseur of sexual understanding, and so like. I've been under his tutelage and been learning a lot. Um but yeah, it does it does require a lot of communication. And one thing that my therapist says, why would she say this to me? I can't even remember. But she says that she asked me, Who do you think is in control in a sub dom relationship? Mm -hmm. I was like, This sounds like a trick question. Right, it does sound like trick. She's like, it's always the sub. Mm -hmm. The sub is always in control. Like, and that's, that's what we're talking about. Like there might be rape fantasies, but sh- she, in this scenario, mm-hmm. she's in charge mm-hmm. because you've talked about it. You've talked limits. You talked out the fantasies. Mm-hmm. You, you don't just do it. You, right. you talk about it and that's why it's consensual
0: to fully just play devil's advocate here. Yeah. And I hate, I feel gross even it. asking this question. Bring it. What, what if it's his rape fantasy? What if he great do to, it. to be the
1: aggressor? Oh, I see. Um, I could see if a woman is not into that, that she'd feel pretty uncomfortable yeah. potentially if he brought that up. But if they are in an open and communicative relationship, there's nothing wrong with him saying that. Right. There's nothing, in my opinion, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong because it's not rape.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's two consenting people playing a scene. Mm -hmm. They call it scenes like you've seen. And of course
0: it does. Like you said, I think you alluded to earlier. Um, there are, I would naturally have the reaction of having questions of like, well, why is that? But like, but again, you're not Your partner's therapist, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, are they someone who's safe? Do you think that they're going around raping other people? Mm -hmm. Like there's some people who are dangerous and they're going to want to play out that fantasy, but the big question is when you say yellow or red right do they stop
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly
1: or do they keep going those are mm-hmm. going to be red flags yeah. you know mm-hmm. but you're going to pick that up on other things like if if they you just need to kind of learn if they respect boundaries if yeah. they respect boundaries in all these other areas of your life the odds of them respecting boundaries within a, a, play, a playful situation or mm. uh, rapes uh, fantasy in a sexual environment is probably pretty good. Mm. So, like, it's just kind There's of... As long as
0: like, safe words are respected and everything like that. Yeah,
1: like, I wouldn't... Like, if that was something I was into, I wouldn't play that out with someone I didn't really know. Because like, oh, yeah. that requires a lot of trust and... Yeah, you just, I mean, you really have to be communicative and really trust your partner and talk things Mm -hmm. out, in my opinion. Again, this is all what I think about sex. And the one thing I've learned is sex is not intrinsically something. Yeah, It's not intrinsically anything. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't need a penis. It doesn't need a vagina. It doesn't need to have a penis in a vagina. It can be whatever people want it to be as long as it's ethical and consensual. Mm -hmm. I think that's it. So, that's my that's my take. I like that.
0: Uh, Can we take a quick break and then yeah, continue this conversation? Yeah, go smoke.
1: Yeah, okay, I'll tell my husband that I'm not dead. Okay. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at sacred underscore mn. A
2: post Christian production.